All right, you have this little diagram. Everybody got one? It's uh, lighting the way to the next generation. And I'm glad for the light of the world. That's Jesus Christ and all God's people say it. But he went on and said, not only is he the light of the world, he said, ye are the lights of the world. So I'm supposed to be what Jesus was. And what was Jesus? I know he's the great I am. But he also said, I am the light of the world. You know, if a man's in darkness, he needs light. And the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to be reflectors of the Lord Jesus. The illustration has always been the sun, S-U-N, that the moon is a reflector of the sun's light. And that's how it gets its light to shine at nighttime. And so it is we Christians get our light from the Son of God. And because of that, we're supposed to shine brightly. So on your outline, we've already talked about it. Let me read it just right quickly. And you can see the lantern in the, the, scripture, the scripture in Psalms 119, 105, you know, about the lamp unto our path and the light unto our uh, way that we can be able to walk more clearly ourselves. Lord, teach us how to walk in the light. But uh, we sing the little song, Give me oil in my light, in my lamp. Oh, Lord, give me oil in my lamp. But we introduced it and I talked about the first point on the left-hand side. The lantern's in the middle that represents us. It said, be fervent, be fervent. And on the right-hand side, there's a scripture, Romans 12, 11. And outside that scripture, I put the word wick, W-I-C-K. Because the wick, you can see in the, in the middle, needs to be taller and taller. Sometimes you have to trim it back and do some pruning, take care of it so it will shine more brightly. Here's what the Bible says. Don't not be slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Romans 12, 11. Let me say it one more time. Not slothful in business, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And the word fervent means to boil, to glow for God, the fire of excitement, and the faith to set it on fire. Sometimes it's so easy to be weary and well-doing, and sometimes you're not careful, you lose your zip, you lose your fervor, and you do things out of routine and out of habit. God forbid, I trust you'll pray for me in special prayer. I don't usually ask prayer very often. I appreciate folks who pray. It's not that I don't need to, I just I need the prayers. But when the longer I talk, the more difficult it is to talk. And so then they continue to do those uh, endoscopic situations. I get one coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, the Lord willing. And every 10 weeks they're still doing that. But still not helping my throat with as far as talking is concerned. It's not done hurt. I just can't talk. The esophagus gives me problems. So sometimes when I'm talking, It'll go to a whisper. And I know what you may not notice it very quickly. And then they kept doing some MRIs and they did some CAT scan. I did CAT scan this week and found out I got an aneurysm on my hiatus. They're going to double check that. I got to go to a specialist concerning that. So you just keep praying for me. I appreciate it. And my heart's desire is to keep preaching. That's my desire. As far as I know right now, I can. Sometimes it may not be the best preaching one there. It was too good. But you pray for me that God will give me extra strength and power uh, to do what needs to be done. But I just, uh, I don't want to ask that selfishly. I know you don't either when you pray for yourself. But you want to say, God wants your will to be done. And that's what I'm praying and asking God for. A resurgence, a recovery. Oh, it started back when I had two blood clots almost two years ago, September. And has graduated from that uh, just about every week. I go to some kind of doctor for something. So get, I'm going to be in real good shape until I get through my, 
I may offer my body to science. Everything you keep working on me. Anyhow, I want to be a bright light for Jesus, don't you? I remember the song where you sang, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Till who comes? Till Jesus comes, I'm going to let my little light shine. And we're going to let it shine for the Lord. And there's two ways to let your light shine. One's by life, and the other's by lip. We'll talk more about that in the soul winning course. Everybody ought to have a light to shine for Jesus. I quote I quoted him so often, he's dead and gone now, he was not a Christian. He came close to being one. That was the Gahanda, the ruler of India. He came to America to study. He came to America and lived with Americans, went to school with Americans, got around Christian people, made this statement when he went back to India. The great ruler of India, he said these words, I would have become a Christian had it not been for Christians. Well, he said, I love what the Bible says. I love this man called Jesus. It was a great example to the world. And I was really wanting to be something that's hungry in my heart. But he says, I got around Christian people and they didn't live consistently. Sometimes they did things worse than what I was doing. And he says, after a while, I just turned off. If that's Christianity, I don't need it. I don't want it. Someone said the whole course of history could have been changed in India if Gehandi had gotten saved and truly trusted the Lord Jesus as Savior. But all of us need to be lights. We may not be able to affect the great areas of light or great areas of geographical territory, but wherever we're at, our little light ought to shine for Jesus Christ. And may God help us. Several times in the Word of God, the anointing of the Spirit is given to us, and we talked about that already. David himself was anointed three times in preparation to be the king of Israel. King Saul was anointed by Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, uh, before he took on the reign of being king, the first king that they had chosen to be uh, the king of Israel. And then David, the writer in Psalm 92.10, anointed us with fresh oil. I got, to, I got bogged down day on the unicorn. Have anybody studied the unicorn? I figured you had, but I started calling you, Brandon, and just see what you thought about it. Anyhow, it's an interesting subject, so I ran a few references. And, you know, mythology was mythology or not. God used a lot of animals in the Bible as symbols for things. So somebody says that King James got it wrong, and all the other versions got it straightened out. And they turned, they dropped the word, you know, unicorn, and put another word in there for, that's supposed to be better than the unicorn. If God wanted a unicorn in the Bible, we put it in there. You don't have to be taking words out. And uh, someone says it was another word for rhinoceros and the beast that she's getting ready to tackle. Uh, and God's greater than any beast. Anyhow, that may be a good question for Sunday school sometime, Brandon. Just do the unicorn. You bring. You, you probably got a pet unicorn, don't you? We have some time in Sunday school class, Brendan, and I have question time. You can ask any question. He's a good Bible student and good Bible scholar. And if he don't know, he needs to say, I don't know. But a lot of things he's learned over study, systematic study, that the Bible's interesting. At least from his point of view, he may not be right, but it's good to have an answer the best you can when situations come up. So I'm not going to talk about the unicorn tonight. But I do want to be anointed of fresh oil. Everybody needs fresh oil. One of the greatest sermons I ever heard preached in my life was preached by Dr. Jack Howes. The book that I'm trying to give you for soul winning. He said, I want to be anointed with fresh oil. And how he laid on his father's grave. His daddy died, an unsaved man. 
the day they kicked him in the face on the streets of Dallas because Jack wanted to be a preacher and his daddy was a town drunk and his mother and dad separated. And he says, I don't know how long I laid on my father's grave, but I had him, he got him to come to church a few times before he died. He said, I was so thankful that he came. I was hoping that he got right with the Lord. As far as I know, he didn't. He said, if he didn't, my daddy died and went to hell. And he said, I laid on the grave of my daddy and I prayed and prayed for hours for fresh oil that I could have the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not here trying to magnify the man. I'm trying to magnify the truth. What's good for Jack Howes and good for you and good for me is good for all of us. And that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so in that second little point on the outline, it talks about anointed touch of God upon one's life. Boy, listen. I like old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, he said, I don't know what it is altogether, but I sure know what it ain't. And when I ain't got it, I know I'm missing. It's called the unction of the Holy Spirit. You have the unction of the Holy One. Extra touch of God upon your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And we say the joy of the Lord is our strength and that spiritual commodity in our life is like the oil that runs in our life that does great good for all parts of our very being. I was reading Dr. Uh, my mind went blank just a minute. It'll come to me in just a moment. Who's the guy through the Bible on, tele, on radio every day? Uh, I just talked about him a while ago. Anyhow, the doctor's on radio every day. Back to the through the Bible with Dr. McGee. I got it, Dr. McGee. Anybody heard him? Yeah. All right, he's on radio every day. He was, like, he was a Presbyterian. If ever was a saved Presbyterian, it was him. And boy, he'd make a better Baptist than he would probably a Presbyterian. But I was reading commentary about the fresh oil, and he, he said the whole, the whole story of Mary and Martha one was frustrated, the other wasn't. What was the difference? It wasn't that they were mean people, but what was the difference between Martha and Mary when Jesus came to eat and one was frustrated and the other was upset and the other wasn't? And he said, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. He says, it's not wrong to fix the meal, not wrong to cook, not wrong to prepare for that. But that wasn't the priority at the time. It was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he said, and I, wrote, I told my wife, I sort of liked what he said, I jotted it down four or five. It's just a little brief commentary. He says, when you sit at the feet of Jesus, he said, house cleaning will be a lot easier. So since I do all the house cleaning at our house, I want to be sure to jot that down. He said, you're cooking in the kitchen will be a lot smoother if you sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's pretty good. I like that. I don't know a lot of cooking. Nancy was both the cooking. And he says, raising children becomes a joy. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you're investing in life for eternity. But then he got me on the fourth one. He says, if you sit at the feet of Jesus, you'll be a better car driver. You drive your car better. You take life with different strides. You look through different eyes. When you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, the master teacher, and he's teaching you and teaching me the truths of eternity. Not only how to get saved, but how to live after we get saved. And many times we Christians become more frustrated than we should. I'm not saying anybody here is not guilty. Sometimes we all get sort of out of sync, out of sorts, 
sometimes we get frustrated, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. It ought to help us. It ought to put a song in our heart, and the joy builds of heaven in our soul. It ought to cause us to want to live differently. And uh, the whole point of this being anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Even the gift of Pentecost, that they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost was power. It was not speaking in some other tongue. It was not doing miracles in himself, even though they did some of those things. It was the anointing of God upon their life. Power. You shall be witnesses both and to be both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world and learning how to be a witness for Christ. I need that. I need to be reminded of that. I think it's one of the greatest truths in all the world. What would it be like to travel with Jesus for three, three, three years and be around Him every day? I know all the disciples were, including Judas. It's amazing stories about the disciples. All the apostles had a different flavor and a different favor in how they showed things. Every temperament probably represented in humankind was found in the apostles. You had Peter who was always sticking his foot in his mouth. Anybody like that? Nobody? Get him up, get him up, get him up, get him up. And then you find folks like, you know, one of the disciples was always bringing somebody to Jesus. Always trying to get somebody to him. And you got those who were methodical trying to figure out how much food it would take to feed certain folks that we don't have enough. So we're trying to figure it out mathematically. You can't figure God out mathematically. And you can't put God in a test tube. I mean, God's bigger and bigger than all the things you try to do. But teaching His disciples, and yet when they come to the end of it, they still didn't understand a lot, maybe as much as we do, should, we should know, looking back. But the fact is, they were His apostles, and they were able to learn a lot of truths from the feet of Jesus. And they still failed. And I'm saying it's a regular time with Jesus. So anointing. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Saul's anointing. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, that Saul, and kissed him and said, Is it not because of thee that we've had the anointing, the anointing upon thee to be the captain over I can't read my own writing. To become the captain. Okay, I'll leave it right there. Of his own people, really. His own regiment. But he had got anointed by God to do that. King Saul was a distracting of a man. He was probably tall and handsome and stood head and shoulders by everybody else. He's the one that probably David's daddy was looking for, a guy like that, to be the first king. And yet it was David that was anointed as a kid to become the king eventually, and he would. But King Saul was the first king that we know of Israel, and uh, then David, and then Solomon, and so forth. But the whole issue is this. They all needed the touch of God. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Amen. Amen. I mean, we're working in the energy of the flesh to try to get it done. And when you work, and I know this, and I'm learning it more and more, just pray for me. And I learned the lesson that God's trying to teach me. You cannot serve God effectively in the energy of the flesh. It won't happen. It won't happen. It'll be when we do it in the energy of His own power, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And the Bible teaches over and over again how important it is that you shall receive the power 
of the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost living in my body, and so do you. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But the great God who made the world out of nothing and spoke it was, is the same God in the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in my life on the day of Pentecost to give me power then to the disciples. And when we get saved, the Holy Ghost comes in in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're saved in the person of the Holy Ghost. And I talked about it several weeks ago. He lives on the inside of us. Everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit goes. Well, everything I watch, the Holy Spirit watches. Everything I say, the Holy Spirit hears. You say, well, big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. He's watching us. He's listening to us. He's not there to try to hurt us. The Bible says he should be the comforter. He should be the one that will convict you. He'll be the one that will help you. If you'll, he'll recall all things that I've taught you. Jesus said, listen to the Holy Ghost. He's going to help you. Boy, I need the Holy Ghost. I refer back to Dr. Hiles again. He got a book. I, I read it several times. I wish I knew it better. It's called Meet the Holy Spirit. He said several years in his life as a preacher, as a young preacher, he didn't understand at all about the Holy Spirit. And he said, God got a hold of my heart about meeting the Holy Spirit. He is part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we talk about God the Father. God so loved the world that He gave His one begotten Son. He was the Father. Well, there's emphasis there. We talk about the Son, S-O-N, the Son of God who wrapped Himself in human flesh and became a baby and identified with humanity and born of a virgin. He was born of a what? Just want to hit that passing by. Don't ever forget it because liberalism has taken the virgin birth out of Christianity. If there's no virgin birth, there's no Christianity. Amen. We're still lost and dying because the blood was contaminated. And pure. It was impure blood. And the only way to have pure DNA is not to have it from the Father. It came from God the Father, not the earthly father, Joseph. And because the DNA was so important to be able to have pure, precious blood. And when you get over to Peter, he talks about the precious blood. The precious blood, the pure blood of the Lord Jesus. And I'm one of those guys, and maybe I'm out in the left field, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, and I know the whole crucifixion, when the blood was dropping from his body, I believe every drop was picked up. It's called precious blood. It's not just talking about blood. We're talking about precious blood. And I believe when he ascended up into the heaven and during the resurrection period, when he was in the tomb, I think he went before the, uh, the, the temple in heaven. The Old Testament tabernacle was made after the replica of one in heaven. I believe he dropped his blood on the mercy seat in heaven and said, it's finished, it's done. The transaction's done. And the blood, what can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a little tired of my own life taking the blood for granted. Precious blood, that cobble street walking down through to Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, heading for Calvary. And every drop of blood that fell was crying. It's going to be finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. And finally, in summation and concluding of his death on the cross, when he hung there in agony and pain, and all the blood now was oozing from his body, from the time he was beaten, the time he was laughed at and mocked at and stripped of his clothes, the times he was hit by the cat of nine tails, 39 stripes save one, the times he was poked at, laughed at, pulled the beard out, plucked his hair out, every drop of blood that oozed down the face of the Lord Jesus. It dropped down his beard, where his beard was at, his tears, his blood oozing down his face, the crown of thorns from the top, just oozing down his face, going through his eyes, dropping down on his beard to his chest. 
He'd been beaten almost to a pulp and no bones were broken. And here's the Lord Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Don't tell me it's not precious blood. It is precious blood. I'd be lost on my way to hell were it not for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the Lord Jesus Christ gave His blood for me and the Holy Ghost of God comes to reside in me and because the payment's been paid, I can enjoy my Christianity, but I also need to serve my Lord faithfully. So I need to have fresh oil, fresh oil. One of the prayers we're going to pray this year as we entered into the new year 2024, we talked about come and go as our theme, come. Even the favorite word of God, perhaps in the Bible, each one of them, come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Oh, he that is a thirst, let him come. And Jesus often said, come unto me, come. Then he said, I want you to go into all the world. He saved us to go. He saved us to tell somebody else. And we get so wrapped up in our, our life, we, we, we're so interested in living that we forget about life. And life is being able to duplicate or at least follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, come follow me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. When I've been indicted and been convicted, how come you're not fishing after men? Because I'm not following Jesus. He said in Mark or Matthew 4, verse 19, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Is that in the Bible? Follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men. Well, may God help us tonight. So the anointing takes place. And even though I'm not a king like David or a king like Saul, uh, we have royalty in our blood. First Peter 2, 9 talks about, you know, we're the priesthood and the believers. Uh, we're kings and princes or prince and royalty. And thank God for that. And so I need to know that I can't run on empty. Have you ever tried to run your car on empty? Dennis, have you run that truck on empty yet? We knew Dennis was here tonight before he ever come in. He'd been out sick for quite a while, but he drove his truck up on the parking lot, and I said, it's one or two people. It's either Dennis Gullett or Dennis Gullett. He's got another motorcycle. And he gets out there, you're inking her up. He woke up all the neighbors, so they'd come, and some of them didn't come. But I'm grateful that there's been a few times in my life, who was I talked to this week? They never run their car past half empty. They get down a half tank, they get gas because they don't even run out. How many is like that? You keep pretty well full. How many waste do you get out and buy gas and it's about empty you buy? How many of you wait to get a dollar? You can put a dollar to go with the gas. But uh, I, run, I ran out of gas on Highway 13 in Alabama. Can you imagine Highway 13? Running out of gas on Highway 13. I run out of gas a few times. I thought, what is the world is wrong with my car? It won't start. I mean, it's just, something's wrong with it. Just had it in the garage, had it all tuned up, and here it is, it won't even run. And when you find out about it, you didn't have no gas in it. You're trying to run on empty stuff. So if I'm going to run on empty, I'm going to feel the, the results of that. I'm going to run out of strength pretty quickly. You're going to run out after a while. You keep giving out and giving out and giving out. If you ain't careful, you're going to run out. You cannot be like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea takes in its tributaries, but there's no life in the Dead Sea. There's no life. There will be one day. There's not now. There's no life in the Dead Sea, and because of that, it's completely useless as far as drinking, as far as purification. A lot of wealth in the Dead Sea, but it takes in, but it doesn't have any tributaries to go out. 
Sea of Galilee and the River Jordan, all the waters over there, a lot of them makes their way down to the Dead Sea. And, uh, but it doesn't have no way to go out on the other side. So it's no way to be a tributary. And you become a reservoir. So what we Christians become sometimes instead of a, a, a tributary, we become a reservoir. We take in, but we don't give out. Now, I'm learning this. I'm 77 years old. I wish to the good Lord I'd probably learned a lesson a long time ago. You can't give out and give out and give out unless you take in. You've got to take in. It's like food. You've got to eat to survive. Man shall not live by bread alone. Have you ever heard that? What's the rest of that verse say? Man shall not live by bread alone. By every word, the reason why we believe in the old King James. It's an every word Bible. And he said, every word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So reading the Bible, you ought to read it somewhere along the way. In your lifetime, you ought to read it through at least one time. Most of us probably should have already read it through numerous times. And sometimes you find a way to get through the Bible. You can skip around, or you can do it chronologically. You can do it by book. You can do it by sentence. You can do it by... You, you can study the Bible just by word. If you want to get real technical, you can study the Bible just by how to put a period at the end of a sentence or a punctuation mark. Not one jot or one tittle shall pass away. My word is preserved forever. And praise God for that. I get excited about a couple of things. One with the blood and the other the book. And thank God for the third one, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God our Savior. Amen? Amen. So I'm glad for the wonderful truth that God has given us. But he says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. David said, I need to be anointed with fresh oil. I'm leaving that with you tonight. I don't want you to think about it. I mean, we'll go through the rest of the outline. But being anointed, again, the touch of God upon one's life. He touched me. He touched me. Boy, there's something about Him touching us not talking about an emotional high. I'm talking about a deep, deep gratitude on the inside. You know you've been touched by God. And sometimes that comes through various ways, but you go back to the feet of Jesus. He touched me. He touched me. She touched me. We may say it's one thing, but for Him to touch us, that's what I thought. He can touch us physically, touch us mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That doesn't mean we don't have physical problems. It don't mean that our mentality is not always what it ought to be. Sometimes it's going to get worse instead of better. Our emotions run the gamut up and down. But it touches our spiritual. It's the unction of power to do what God wants us to do until He decides some other things better for us. One thing about dying, most of us hadn't done it before. And number two, it is... the end of our trip in this world. And it closed with Tommy. Tommy talking about last night on visitation about uh, liver transplant. Talking about, you know, what kind of numbers you got to have. It's 35. If you're number 35, you're dead, right? 40. 40. 35 is getting close to dying. Yeah. And then 40 is, you're not here. 40. Yeah, okay. Okay. So if he can have any kind of numbers below that, he could be a possibility candidate for a liver transplant. If everything else is right, he had one what twelve years ago, fifteen, 15 years ago. Average liver transplant person lives five years. Stubborn he is. Stubborn he is. 
just trust in the good Lord. But if you, you, God wants him to have another transplant, I mean, that's between him and the good Lord and what God decided. But someday, somewhere, God's going to take us out of this world with something. And we're not going to live forever. The only, the only consolation could be this. It's called the rapture. Amen. You don't have to die. You just changed in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. And from this world to the next world, how close, how long is a twinkling? Quicker than that. Lynn, I'll twinkle at you. I'll twinkle my at you, okay? The twinkle of an eye, and we're gone. If I was a shouting guy able to do it, I'd just kick about a mile high. He loves me. He loves you. He wants you to serve Him. Would you join me tonight and pray for God's anointing upon our life? And not just cliches, not just words we polyparted in all these years. I know the language, folks. I grew up in church. I know the language. I don't want to know the language. I want to know the person who spoke the language. And that's the God of heaven. Oh, to know Him. And I close. The Apostle Paul said, Oh, that I may know Him and the power of the resurrection that I may know Him. Then he says, I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded He's able to keep that which I've committed or deposited to Him. I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded He's able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. I fought a good fight, kept the faith, finished the course henceforth. There's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And not for me only, only, but me only, but let me get it right. Not for me only, but for all those that love His appearing. I'm glad this thing's real. My God is real. And because He's real, we're going to be in reality forever and forever and forever through death and through the rapture, which is one who decides. If it's all right with the Lord, I just soon go up in the rapture. And uh, I just soon go up in the rapture. I just soon go up in the rapture. Blessed hope, glorious appearing, great God our Savior. Titus 2 tells us. Let's stand together, please.